Obviously, for those who don't know what a TARDIS is, um, it's a it's short for time and relative dimensions in space. And what it is is essentially a time machine that can go anywhere in time and space. And it's uh, obviously familiar to those people who know about Doctor Who, which, of course, Jesse and I talk about on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast. So uh, with that in mind, essentially, you know, like it's essentially the British version of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, only uh, a little better um, time machine than a phone time traveling phone booth. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, you know, it's a great uh, idea, concept that, hey, you know, if you want to talk concerts and you have the ability to go anywhere in time and space to listen to those concerts, you know, no limitation on the location or the time period. You know, before you even, you know, stuff maybe before you were born, uh, this would be a great way to do it. And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. And as we are in the middle of September, the fifth anniversary of Set Lusting Bruce, I am having a wonderful guest host, uh, my good friend, my co-host of multiple podcasts, my son-in-law, and one of my dearest, sweetest friends, Charles Skaggs, joining me today. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. It's my second time here, and uh, I always appreciate when you have me on. Yeah, it's always fun to have you. Uh, as we said, Charles and I talk once or twice a week for podcasting, uh, so it's always fun to have him on kind of in a different way. Um, and so... I. As we said, this September is the fifth anniversary of Set Listing Bruce, and I was trying to think, what could I do kind of fun to celebrate? And I also was trying to think of an excuse to get Charles on again, because we don't talk enough. And yeah, I, came exactly. up, right. I came up with the concept of, you know, one of the – people joke to me, Charles, they say, hey – if you had access to a TARDIS, what would you do? And I said, oh, well, I'd go to every Bruce Springsteen show ever recorded. Uh, and that got to thinking, well, what if we could go in the past? And you have a wide range of musical taste. You love going to concerts. And I thought that'd be fun for us to kind of talk about and pick where would we go in the past. Yeah, so obviously for those who don't know what a TARDIS is, um, it's a – it's short for time and relative dimensions in space. And what it is is essentially a time machine that can go anywhere in time and space. And it's uh, obviously familiar to those uh, people who know about Doctor Who, which, of course, Jesse and I talk about on Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast. So uh, with that in mind, essentially, you know, like it's essentially the British version of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, only uh, a little better um, – time machine than a phone time traveling phone booth absolutely but um but uh you know it's it, it's uh obviously you know it's a great uh idea concept that hey you know if you want to talk concerts uh and you have the ability to go anywhere in time and space 
to listen to those concerts. You know, no limitation on the location or the time period, you know, before you even, you know, stuff maybe before you were born. Uh, this would be a great way to do it. Yeah, and um, I don't um, – who I'm drawing a blank on, the male lead of Warehouse 13, um, he talked about mm-hmm. that um, – he said that in, in Warehouse 13 science fiction show and there was artifacts that would give powers. And he said that he wanted an artifact to be a concert ticket that if you touched it would take you to any show ever broadcast so i think back my mind i also remembered him talking about that kind of helped me to think about it so um before we get into our actual list i'm curious what kind of did you put any parameters to yourself or what kind of was your process in picking the five shows now my my process was very simple i just went with the show five shows that i would most want to see like if i could only see five shows these would be my top five to hit first. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other concerts that I would love to go to, um, you know, like the I would love to see the Ramones. I would love to see the Sex Pistols. I'd like to go back to check out Woodstock and hear Jimi Hendrix. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of other places um, that I would go to. You know, I'd love to see, you know, like a bunch of David Bowie shows and and whatnot. So, um but these are my top five. These are the ones that, like, if I could only do five, this is what I would hit first. Yeah. So I thought about that, and it was funny. I was telling, uh, I was telling um, Colin, who is Chris's best friend, and he immediately said, "Oh, well, Woodstock would have to be on your list. The Monterey Pop Festival would have to be on your list." And I went, oh, "Neither one made my list." You, it's <laughs> a really good point. So my, I, had oh, not you, thought it. I would love to see the Monterey Pop Festival because uh, Otis Redding does this incredible version i've been loving you too long yeah to stop now that was actually featured in twin peaks so i would be all over that in a heartbeat yeah so um roy so, orbison oh i'd love to see roy orbison oh absolutely all this oh, oh yeah. yeah so um one of the things we did before we recorded is um charles said i should have dared you to yeah. pick non go ahead share what you were saying yeah yeah i was just i was just saying that um you know, I I figure with Jesse probably all five of his are Bruce Springsteen shows. So I was I was thinking that I should have challenged if I would have thought about it a little sooner, I would have challenged him to like, okay, give me five concerts that don't include Bruce Springsteen, and that would have been a, a very difficult challenge I think for you. So I actually did that kind of my own way. I made the. Whenever I do these lists, I throw in kind of my own rules, and one of my rules is you can only, for this list, go to one show per artist. And that's so, what I did. That's what yeah. I did as well. So. Yeah, because I thought, absolutely, you know, would 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 we love to go watch, um, like you, you may love to go, okay, I'm going to go to every um, Sting and um, – you know every show or the police, the police show, police, yeah, yeah, you, you, uh, you know, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, we picked one, so yeah, I did the same thing. I only picked one show per artist, and so um, and so I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, your reasons behind it. So let's get started. What's your first choice? Uh, my first choice, right off the bat, uh, no surprise to anybody that knows me, I would go with um, the Police uh, on November third, nineteen eighty three playing the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, during their synchronicity tour. And 
this concert was actually featured on the police's live album that, uh, you know, where you got to hear, you know, just this is the P- the police at their pinnacle. This is where uh, just before they break up, they're going out on top. They're, you know, like the like their 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 synchronicity album was like, you know, the number one album. And uh, so this is this is the police at their just, you know, right at their peak right before they exit the stage. And so you you get uh, great classics. You get Synchronicity 1 and 2. You get, of course, Message in a Bottle, King of Pain, Wrapped Around Your Finger, Every Breath You Take, So Lonely, that they close with and, and their set. And um, this would just be an amazing uh, first concert for me. And, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to see the police during their reunion tour. I got to see them twice during the reunion tour. Um but uh, but th- I never got the chance to see the police when they were originally together. So this would be obviously first on my list. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. I think that going there would be fun to see them knowing that this is the height of their com- you know, commercial, knowing where they're going to go further, kind of watching that. That's a great choice. Um, my first choice is I don't have a specific date, and so the TARDIS would have to help me out. Um, but I would love to go see the Beatles, like in the '62 at Hamburg, Germany. Ooh! Right. So you want to go to you want to go to the Cavern Club? Yes, exactly. I want to go to the Star Club, the Cavern Club, somewhere. Now, yes, I thought about like Shea Stadium when, when Pete Best was playing drums instead right, of Ringo. War right after Pete left and Ringo took over. Oh, so okay. there was a span of that. Um, as much as fun as it would be to see them, you know, when they were touring the U.S., but that, when they were doing that, it was really short shows, you know, like when they were at Shea or, you know, at the Yankee Stadium. Here, they were a bar band. They were doing multiple sets. Uh, they did so many covers. Um, I did a little research, you know, and they, um, like in 62, they said that, you know, How Louie, I Love Her So, Ray Charles, um, you know, Sweet Little Sixteen, Roll Over Beethoven, but right. they did. They I were saw doing her... a lot of. They did a lot of covers back then. Yeah, but they did do. I saw her standing there, um, and I just think to see that energy and them trying that would be a pretty unique experience and a lot of fun. Yeah, and I totally get that. And obviously, again, this would be that would be one that I would love to eventually go later down the list, but. Um, but yeah, I do have the Beatles on my okay. on my oh, list, of course. Nice. Of course. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Your next choice. Uh, second pick would be U2. Um, not during the Joshua Tree tour because I did get to see them, and I would love to go back toward that. But I, I thought about this a little bit, and I thought, well, since I got to see them during the Joshua Tree tour in Cleveland back in the day, uh, I would like to go to June fifth, nineteen eighty three. At the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Morrison, Colorado, where, you know, they played just to a crowd of 4,400. Uh, so um, it's a much more intimate but outdoor venue. And, you know, this was actually featured on U2's uh, Live at Red Rocks under a Blood Red Sky concert album. And, um, you know, this was essentially U2 right after right between their war album and the unforgettable fire album. 
So you got to hear, um, you know, a lot of great classics like um, Two Hearts Beat is One, uh, a really powerful version of Sunday Bloody Sunday, uh, which is, you know, was um, aired on MTV as a music video. Just an incredible performance. And, and a personal obscure favorite of mine from that album, um, Party Girl, which is a, a, a great little classic. So, um, so I, yeah, I think this would be, you know, just that small, intimate venue seeing this band about to go huge, uh, I think would be a fantastic experience. Um, yeah, I would, first off, I probably would tag along to all your shows and we would have a blast, but I definitely <laughs> would tag along to this one. Um, I have heard so many great stories about that venue and, uh, there have been, you know, because it's being outdoor and the great sound because of the natural acoustics, uh, that intimate setting, who sounds like it would be amazing. Yeah. I would love he, to do that. There's some great videos on YouTube. If you want to check it out, um, highly recommend it. Cause it's yeah. just a fantastic, uh, footage, you know, based on what I see, uh, you know, of, of the video, um, I, I, you know, and, and hearing that album, you know, I know it would be a great show. Yeah. Ooh, so that I was great. I think that'd be a great one to pick. Yeah. How about you? So my next one is, um, on in, they, they allude to this in the film rocket man, and I did some research, and this is a true story. Elton John, before he broke up, broke out, played the Troubadour in okay. August 1970. It was only like a seven or eight song set, uh, but this is kind of the things that took him. He did your song, um, he did Border Song, Honky Tonk Woman, he did a Rolling Stones cover, um, and in the audience was. Quincy Jones, Peggy Lipton, Linda Ronstadt, Brian Wilson, and Mike Love of the Beach Boys, Don Henley, Randy Newman, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, and Graham Nash, among the people. Okay. Uh, and they say uh, the the movie makes the impression that this is where he took off. And doing a research, this truly was one of the where he became this it brought him to another level and made people aware of him. So the idea of, as you talked about the same reason, right with you two, right before they're going to go big to see Elton John early in his career, right before he explodes, I think would be a fascinating, not only historically, but a great musical night. Yeah. yeah that, that would be a, that would be a pretty solid show in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree. You know, I'm not the biggest Elton John fan, but I could definitely appreciate something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my third pick, uh, since you talked about the Beatles, is, yep, the Beatles. Because, uh, you know, it, I have to think, if you had a time machine, how can you not pick the Beatles, really? Absolutely. Uh, you know, that would have to be on your on your must list, right? Um, so I'm going to go back on this one to August 15th, 1965. Uh, probably, arguably, one of their f- most famous concerts. Uh, that was the concert at Shea Stadium in Queens, New York. Uh, with an attendance of roughly 55,600 people. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it was a, it was a short show. Uh, I think it was like maybe 40 minutes tops, if I'm not mistaken. But hey, if you've got a time machine, you can go see more Beatles shows if you want, right? So, um, so what better way to like kind of start it off, um, than with this iconic concert? And, you know, just I would love the idea of, of seeing the Beatles at their, you know, at, at the, you know, one of their most popular eras. You know, you've got all those screaming fans um, in this big arena. 
um, you know, 55,000 people. That's a huge crowd. So um, I think it would be amazing to see. And, um, you know, like, you know, you, they started off the set with Twist and Shout, which is just, you know, a great way to launch the, sh- launch the set, uh, ending with I'm Down. And, uh, you know, just it would, it would be a fantastic experience. I, I totally agree. In fact, I thought about picking one of those shows. Um, but how fun would it be to go see them, you know, in the Cavern Club and then see an yeah. early show in London and then see them at Shea and then, like, see them at the Ed Sullivan show and then go to be right. on the um, – well, Ed Sullivan even opens up for them in this, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. All so. right. And then how cool would it be to be on the street, um, you know, when they do that last little show on the roof, you know, yes. and just kind of oh, see yeah. them? Yeah, you know, when they did the whole Let It Be thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it would just be um, – that would be amazing. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was very small and intimate on that rooftop, on mm-hmm. top Apple. So that's, yeah. that's definitely one I would love to hit as well. But uh, this would be my first pick. No, I, I think that's an excellent choice. Um, my third pick is more historical. Um, I, I love Johnny Cash, and I was never lucky enough to see him live. But on February 27, 1993, he played a small show at Rhythm Cafe in Santa Ana, California. But what's important is Rick Rubin was there that night. And That's they a big went, deal. They went afterwards backstage and talked and that's the beginning of the american uh recordings which revitalized johnny's career um you know and for those of you who don't know rick rubin known to be beastie boys public enemy ll cool j run dmc great producer great producer but no idea of like how is this going to work and he talked about like my plan is just to put you in my living room with a guitar and you just play songs and if you have not listened to the american recordings um cash's voice is at some songs a strain because he is old but it is such beauty in that and to have that and I'm thinking not only from music but from a historic perspective, how could it be to be at that night knowing that Johnny is going to revitalize his career and do such a strong um, final sprint toward um, his ultimate passing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of, you know, as a Johnny Cash fan, um, you know, that, that early temptation is go like, well, yeah, I'd love to see him at Folsom Prison. But You'd be I in thought prison. about that. Yes. You'd be in yes. prison, so <laughs> yes. maybe that wouldn't be the ideal setting yeah. um, to see him in. But, yeah, something like that I think would be amazing. And though I love those American um, albums. I think they're the American recordings. I love those. Um, you know, like one of my favorite songs off of those is Johnny's cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Yes. Which became, you know, very iconic because, you know, he's approaching it from – you know, his vocals sound like, you know, an old man yeah. that has has seen so much and experienced so much pain. Yes. And maybe caused some. Right. That, um, you know, it comes through as very powerful. And and if you haven't heard these albums, um, you know, you're really doing yourself a disservice because these are just amazing, amazing albums, um, especially those, you know, those I'd say those first four. Yeah, f- I agree. That. That um, really 
um, capture those. Um, you know, just he does so many great covers of of bands that you wouldn't even think of. And, uh, you know, that that moment, I think, is a, a fantastic moment in time to uh, to see him in. That's a great pick. Yeah. You know, um, the Trent Resnick who wrote her, right, like is like supposedly Trent Reznick, is, yeah. Yeah, has said, why the hell is Johnny Cash singing my song? And then afterwards goes, oh, my goodness, I wrote a Johnny Cash song without knowing it. And uh-huh. it is um, it you know, his the video they make of that is almost a. A summation of his career and I can remember he did not win like an MTV video award and I, I remember the um, like Justin Timberlake going like this is an I how can he have not won how could have right. this video not won it is yeah totally classic absolutely what do you got number four all right number four I'm gonna pick Peter Gabriel Back on October 5th, 1987. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of an 80s guy, obviously. But um, this one, I'm going to take advantage of the TARDIS and travel all the way to Lycabettus Theater in Athens, Greece for this one. Ooh, nice. Uh, during his This Way Up tour. And uh, this was featured on Peter Gabriel's Live in Athens 1987 DVD. That came out and was later released on Blu-ray. And this is Peter Gabriel after just after he's become so popular after the So album, uh, which really brought him into the mainstream. You know, you like you had the, you know, the great Sledgehammer video, um, big time. Um, so you get you get to hear those. You get to hear Shock the Monkey in this in this set. Mercy Street. Don't give up. In Your Eyes, and, and a very powerful version of Biko, uh, which is a, a kind of a, an obscure Peter Gabriel classic, but it's it's um, beloved by a lot of fans because of its political statement. And, and um, it's just – I think this would be – you know, again, this is Peter Gabriel at his peak. So a lot of these, you know, for me, I'd love to see the bands at their peak. Oh, I think great uh, choices, great choices, yeah. And, uh, and uh, this, you know, Peter Gabriel, no exception. I was fortunate enough to see him – during his up tour and um but uh to but to go all the way back to the so era would be amazing for me well when you're on the show before right you talked about seeing sting and peter gabriel right together yes when they toured. that was a, that was a, yes they did they did a, a great uh duo where it was essentially them singing their own songs but also singing the other songs and then doing some duets as well. So, see, that's one of those where if we had the TARDIS, you'd want to go to every stop, yeah. right? Like, I, like okay, you know. I'm that's just gonna... a, it was a fantastic show. One oh, of my I imagine. All-time favorite shows. Oh, I can imagine. I'm so jealous of that. That is a great choice. So if you'll notice, there's a theme in mind. There's a lot of historical moments. So um, I don't know how many of the – you or the audience knows about this, but um, after Pet Sounds, Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, did Pet Sounds, and he did Good Vibration, he was working on an album called Smile, and um, he had a mental breakdown um, and ended up never finishing the album. Um, various pieces of it came out, and in around 2003, 
he started working on it again and there is a beautiful documentary about this beautiful dreamer and they actually show him starting to look at these original smile tracks and he is petrified you see the the wonderments are his backup band and they're working with him and he is staring there almost petrified um they end up bringing back van dyke parks who is one of his lyricists and and musicians that helped him and they ended up finishing smile and do it a brand new version and they premiered it at royal festival hall london february 20th 2004 um it was the first live performance of this album this legendary unknown that this album would never be finished the greatest album unfinished album all times that many critics ago um paul mccartney's there and george martin and people flew from all over the world to see this documentary shows it um so not only did they do smile in its entirety they did a lot of beach boy hits and um and i just think to be there that epic night to see that here is someone who faced his darkest fears and whether you end up like and i like the finished version of smile i do not think it's one of the greatest albums of all times i think it's a good album i think it's you know but i don't i don't think it lives up to the hype but the idea that it's kind of like Shada we just talked about, right? We just to go On back. Doctor Who, yeah, yeah Doctor Who, everywhere. yeah, next up everywhere. This is an episode that ended up Un- not getting finished. It was finished. one that was unfinished and then later finished through animation. Yes, yeah. and uh, bec- and so because there was so much anticipation, the great Douglas Adams wrote it that Doctor Who fans are adore that they got a finished version. So I yeah. think that's where Smile is the same way. So to be there, I think would have been amazing to see, Charles. Yeah, I mean, I know how big of a Beach Boys fan you are, and uh, I definitely appreciate the Beach Beach Boys, especially their early stuff. Um, so I can definitely appreciate that. I can I I totally get why you would want to see that, and I think uh, you know that makes perfect sense to 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 see that kind of um, you know that at that period um, would be you know very I, I think very fascinating yeah from from your perspective absolutely yeah Yeah. all right what's your number one well this this is actually my number five i went i started okay okay. you went okay you're backwards yeah i I went one through five okay yeah but i'm ending five with um a big one here so as an as a uh, you know a child of the 80s um i couldn't let this go off the list so uh for my fifth pick uh i'm i'm going back to July 13th, 1985, for Live Aid, 1985, the and and this at the Wembley Stadium in London. I mean, pre- theoretically, with the you know obviously the TARDIS, you could go see both yes, the U.S. <laughs> show and and the U.K. show, but but I definitely want to see the U.K. ones because, as far as I'm concerned, that one had the better music and. Uh, the attendance at Wembley Stadium at that time was approximated about 72,000 people, which is huge. And, um, you know, it was just, it, it's such an iconic performance, you know, um, concert, you know, festival performance. Um, you had, first and foremost, you had Queen's legendary 21 minute performance. Absolutely. Which is considered by a lot of people to be the greatest live performance in the history of rock and roll. 
Absolutely. Um, if you haven't seen that, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you because it's it's legendary. It and is. And it's on YouTube, so you have no excuse not to see it. Um, but you also had, in addition to Queen, you had U2 doing this great 12-minute version of their song Bad. So this is this would be U2 after the Red Rock show a little bit. And, and I'm going to interrupt you there. Um, sure. Rolling Stone recently did a breakdown moment by moment of that performance. I, I think it's within yeah. the past year to talk right. about it and how they were worried that this didn't go well. Like they were like, you, we didn't get to play our big hit and everything, and it was an iconic performance. I mean, U2, certainly Queen stole the show, but that U2, yeah. they, that brought them to another level. Yeah, because essentially it's still before they really went big with the Joshua Tree uh, album in 1987. So, so essentially it kind of fills that gap between the Red Rock show and the Joshua Tree tour. And this is after their Unforgettable Fire album, so which was also you know, like an, an, another amazing album of theirs after follow-up to War. And so this would be great. You have David Bowie. So um, doing it. A great performance you know it's it's in the 80s so it's kind of like still at his peak a little bit because you know a lot of fans i think they consider david bowie peaking around in the 70s and the 80s um so that would be great you also had other great acts you had adam ant you had in excess ultravox uh sting of course the who you know classic rock right there you know defined in the form of the who and uh closing out with paul mccartney um, of course, uh, another great to you know to see Paul later in his life, of course after Wings and, and whatnot. So, um, so I think you know, as you know, as my fifth and final pick, I think um, this would be you know I never got to see it when I was a kid, obviously because um, I was only all of what sixteen when this happened. So um, I would love to see this. You know, I got to watch it on television, but I would love to see it live. Yeah, I remember watching it on TV. I remember, you know, Phil Collins, right, played both coasts. He yeah, played he both did the because whole thing. of the Lear. Yeah, he, yeah. Jumped, he jumped on the Concorde and yes. flew across to, to right. New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Beach Boys had a great set. Um, the the so much great shows back and forth. The great concept of that way. You know, one of the problems with festivals is right a band breaking down, and you got to do nothing while the other band sets up by going yeah. be- between both cities you're able to go um great choice it was on my list of places i thought about and um yeah just that that iconic moment of so much music and i'm Another- guessing you would focus on the u2 or the u.s venue because obviously springsteen's there right springsteen so- does not perform Oh, I thought he did. No, and that's often people have wondered why, and I there is no clear reason why Bruce did not perform. It I thought was, he did. That's funny. Uh, I, yeah, I remember that. I, I guess that's a bit of a Mandela effect yeah. there because I remember that completely differently. Yeah, um, he and I would love to do that. The other thing I'd love because I have a little bit of because of my background and my parents, um, the next year was the first Farm Aid. Which, you know, because was brought up because Dylan said, I wish maybe we could take some of this money 
that were raising and send it to American farmers, which led right. to farm aid. And Willie Nelson being huge, yeah. huge, you know, greatly involved with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have loved to have seen that. John too. Mellencamp and yeah, yeah, such greatness. So good. Um, great choice. Great choice. I, I definitely would tag along. So, of course, I got to pick a Bruce show. Of course. So you're picking. Okay, what Bruce show do I pick? What Bruce show I pick? So I ended up picking July 1st, 2000, at Madison Square Garden. And in Bruce had fired the E Street Band in the early uh, late '80s, and he had had the dark period. He'd had a couple of albums he'd released, but he and the E Street Band have not really done anything together. And they got back together and they did the reunion tour. And um, so this is the very last show of the reunion tour, and this was like the tenth night in a row at Madison Square Garden. And not only was it a 28 song, you know, set list, but yeah. a couple of highlights. Um, his song "If I Should Fall Behind," which is a, a truly wonderful love song, um, and this is on a video. Each member of the E Street Band took a solo and sang one line of the song, and back and forth, and that is absolutely beautiful. But then. Um, he has a song called Blood Brothers, and right. um, they did a special version with a final um, verse that has never been performed uh, live since. And it says, now out, now out here on this road, out on this road tonight, I close my eyes and feel so many friends around me in the early evening light. And the miles we have come and the battles won and lost are just so many roads traveled, so many rivers crossed. And I ask God for the strength and faith in one another, because it's a good night for a ride across this river to the other side, my blood brothers. And I just love that poetry. And that was the last song they sang. They all sang together. And the idea, and, and, and at that point, you weren't sure if they were going to tour again. Now, right. of course, now then, They've spent the next 20 years touring and doing, but that moment where they had been gone so far, they were back together, and that joy of being together is, even though I've seen it on video, to be there in that show and feel that joy would just be something pretty special. No, I forget. Was Clarence Clemens still around? Yes, he was. Yeah, Clarence okay. did not die until like 2005, 2006. Okay. Yeah. So, and in fact, so. when he does – his line of "If I Should Fall Behind," he actually sings, and he plays the saxophone on that. Okay. Just so, wondering. yeah, any shows that didn't make your list that you thought about including? Uh, well, like I, like I said, you know, just I'd, I'd love to see the Ramones. Um, yeah. You know, just I would love to uh, just go back and catch you know so many great bands over the years. You know, like I'd love to see uh, Johnny Cash, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Let's see who else. You know, Jimi Hendrix, like I talked about. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'd love to see the Cranberries again. I would love to. Um, let's see. Go back and. You know, I'd love to see Oasis. I never got to see Oasis. Yeah. Um, you know, who is essentially like, for those who don't know, or is more like a, a almost a modern version of the Beatles. Yes. Um, you know, with a harder rock sound. And Nirvana. I would love to see Nirvana. Right. The, you know, especially especially right now after watching uh, the 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 trailer for the Batman that came out last night, yes. where where they played something in the way, 
during the trailer, and I'm like, yeah, so I'm, so I'm very much right now in a Nirvana mood. Uh, the Foo Fighters, I'd love to see. You know, they're still out there, thankfully, but, um, you know, just uh, Blondie in their prime would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so, many, so many great bands. Yeah, like, How about you? Yeah, I would have, um, you know, I, I – I would have loved to seen like um, to gone and seen Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and you know that that tour yeah. before the plane right. crash. Um, one of the shows that almost made mine is um, I, I I saw Harry Chapin solo before he died. It was he was supposed to have the whole band at the I was in Lake Charles I was still living in Lake Charles and because of weather the band couldn't get there so he just showed up with his guitar and did a whole show acoustical which was amazing I mean you know just he he told so many stories and so but I, I've never saw him with a full band and I think that would be cool um, absolutely I, I I have regret that I I never saw Tom Petty I never saw Prince you know yeah. and now I don't have the chance and when you think I feel about the same way about David Bowie really. yes yeah, so David Bowie yeah to see that and to think about it um, you know and I've never taken time when Paul McCartney was touring. You know, right when he yeah. was starting, and that would be great to see. And and, and the silly, never gotten to see, I've never gotten to see McCartney. Believe me, it or not, either. So. You know, and the other thing that I did not realize at the time, uh, during talk about the eighties and the nineties, you know, Ringo Starr had his All Star Band touring. Yeah. And when you look who's all in that, you go, Oh my God! Talk about a greatest hit show of people that could have played and done that. So that would have been fun. Uh, we would keep the talk to now we didn't talk about this but by far and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about different actors play the doctor and so by the way on doctor who yeah, yeah on doctor who yeah. if you want yeah, to the, the great the great yeah. premise is that you know the doctor the way they've able, been able to keep the show going since 1963 is that when the actor that plays the doctor is ready to leave the show the character regenerates into a brand new actor, you know, like it's it's still the same character, but with just with a completely new body and new personality. So uh, with a new guy taking over in the same character role. And that's one of the been the, like the the best concepts the show ever came up with. And so, yeah. And so it's genius. So uh, David Tennant, who played the Ten Doctor, there is actual scene where they're trying to go see Elvis. And yes. I thought about seeing Elvis during the uh, like the the comeback special. You know, right. or like when when he was on the Louisiana Hayride, but um, by far, I think if I had to pick a doctor, um, the doctor currently uh, Jodie Whittaker is playing the thirteenth doctor, but the twelfth doctor is an actor named Peter Capaldi, and he plays the doctor kind of as an aging punk rock star. Yeah, and I think by far that would the doctor I would want to go with me to all these shows. Yeah, I mean, he would be the most musically inclined. Yeah. Because thankfully, you know, Pierre Capaldi actually is a music in real life is a musician in his own yeah. right. He plays guitar. So, um, so it would be, yeah, I think his doctor, his aging rock star doctor, um, would be, um, his, that persona would be definitely the, the one you would want to take on these shows. Yeah. And I also think he would bring us to shows we aren't even thinking of. He would go like, oh, Charles, Jesse, trust me. Let's go in the yes. TARDIS, and we would go yeah. and like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we're hearing this. 
Yeah, he would he would know all those underground shows that you would never have heard of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Charles, this was a blast. Thank you. I knew it would be fun, and I knew yeah. you would be great. Um, if I, I hope I lived up to the hype. You did, absolutely. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you and share their thoughts or hear more of your wonderful uh, discussions, how can they? Well, of course, you can reach me on the Twitter machine, at Charles Skaggs on Twitter, or at Charles Skaggs on Instagram. Facebook, of course, Charles Skaggs in Hilliard, Ohio. Uh, and of course, my blog of geeky things, damn good coffee and hot, where I talk about uh, all kinds of comic book sci-fi news, um, news of my other podcasts that I do for the Southgate Media Group, and including you know Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, where Jesse and I talk Doctor Who, Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures, and with a lot of great special guest companions, and uh, have a ball doing that. And then the Phantom Zone podcast that you and I had recently just wrapped up last week talking Stargirl season one, and we've talked Watchmen and Krypton and other great shows. And then uh, Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where mutual friend of ours, DJ Nick, and I are currently finishing up Doom Patrol season two. We'll be finishing that up tomorrow, and uh, so stay tuned for that. And then, uh, of course, Ghostwood, the Twin Peaks podcast, where Zan Sprouse, wife of comic book artist Chris Sprouse, and I, we talk, of course, uh, all things Twin Peaks, David Lynch, and uh, currently we are going through a six-episode uh, X-Files retrospective featuring uh, Twin Peaks actors that have appeared on the X-Files, including a certain uh, David Duchovny yes. that um, people may have heard of. And yeah. so I uh, hope everybody checks it out. I know you've been a big fan of that first episode that we did, and uh, – Hopefully you'll be uh, joining us for more. Yeah, uh, just uh, – Charles and uh, – I, I don't want to be self-serving, but I, I, Charles and I have a blast talking Doctor Who and uh, the, and comic book sh TV shows, and we, we've talked about the Titans. And, and so Charles and I always have fun, but um, the Ghostwood, um, really interesting. They go into a lot of depths about Twin Peaks, but – for someone who I've never watched X Files, and so this has been a perfect chance for me to sample. So um, one of the and, things, and, and, and kudos to you for being brave enough to admit that you've never watched the X Files. Yes, because, yeah, exactly. You know, how could you yeah. miss this? Exactly, it's one of my uh, one of my you know genre blind spots. But um, one of the really good things Charles does is he picks interesting episodes to discuss as we're picking. So he's going through these great episodes and I'm really enjoying them and I'm I'm adding I'm sending off my little emails and giving him feedback. So and uh, my last plug is if you've never watched Doctor Who, um, reach out to either Charles or I and say, where do I start? And we can – easy – the easy answer is just anywhere. Just pick right. an episode just and start go. Watch. Just, start just start watching. watching and you'll figure and the, it and out. The and the fun part is to kind of like fill in those um, knowledge gaps along yeah. the way. But if you need like, okay, I'm the type that buys the greatest hits CD, Jesse, we can give you the greatest hits of Doctor Who and we can give you a, a, a good sampling of what it is. Um yeah. Charles, my brother. Definitely check us out on Next Stop Everywhere. Yes, absolutely. At all curious about this 
Doctor Who we speak of. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Charles, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me. This is um, I could not celebrate five years of Fit Loving Bruce without yeah. you. Uh, we'll find an excuse to get you back on again because we don't talk enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, happy anniversary to Set Lusting Bruce. I know five years is quite the achievement. Yes. And uh, here's to the next five. Absolutely. Thank you, Charles. Listeners, thank you. Uh, I appreciate all you do to support uh, not only this podcast, but all the podcasts on Southgate Media. Uh, remember to stay safe. Wash your hands. Remember social distancing. Wear an effing mask. We love you, and we will talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. Set Listing Bruce. Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.